0: to light treason news everyone pop culture politics and a sprinkle of treason i'm joined today by eric hello hello how are things i'm just always going to ask this because Mm. i also do this with meredith literally every time where i'm like how's wisconsin because it's very interesting to me as someone who doesn't live in these states how is north carolina (laughs)
1: um north carolina is good uh it's i mean i it's it's weird because i just don't do anything so it's hard to be like oh it's but i
0: mean same you know right, like no one know. does anything anymore yeah exactly we yeah. all used to do things we all used to be busy mm-hmm. productive people i think <laughs> i keep getting these texts from people where, like literally right before we started recording Rachel texted me and Chloe and said, hey, remember when we went to Cuba? <laughs> and I was just like, oh, yeah. Like, we used to go places and do things, and it feels weird to remember those times.
1: Yeah, it seems seems strange. Seems weird.
0: It seems strange. It also seems impossible for that to, like, ever happen again. Like, occasionally um, I think about... What's going to happen when we're all vaccinated and we have parties again? And I'm like, am I going to be out to like 6 a.m. ever again? And I'm just like, it feels like no. Or maybe the first week of vaccination, I'll go ham and then I'll be like, oh, I'm in my 30s. And then just stay home every night again.
1: <laughs> well, you you know what's funny to me is I think uh, this past year has really highlighted how... Like it just really forced everyone to reckon with like how weird everything is that we do. Like I was looking at pictures of uh, uh my old office, uh, and I was like like they just made us all go to an office. And we clearly yeah. didn't have to. <laughs> we haven't had not to only for like that. A year.
0: Not only like did they make us go to offices when it's like why, but also the fact that there's been no adjustment or concession about like, hey, we're living in maybe the most extraordinary period of our lifetimes, but you still have to go to work every day. Like there's just mm-hmm. been no yeah. adjustment or no hey, let's take a moment as a nation to collectively mourn or grieve what's happening. It's just like, well, now you just work from home. Now your apartment is your workplace. And now you're <laughs> at work all the time. You're working harder than ever, in fact. It's like, what?
1: <laughs> right, yeah. That is a, a drawback. I, I am very pro-remote working, but that is a drawback where it is, I mean... Some people have done this for a long time, so I guess it's not that weird for them. But for me, the first like couple months of like, oh, I get off work and I guess I just go t- to bed like at the same place.
0: <laughs> like, oh, is, are we not supposed to live that way? Because I <laughs> still live that way. Right. As soon as I'm done working, I'm like, well, I c- shut my curtains now and right. <laughs> turn in for the night.
1: It's like you close the laptop, you're like, all right, and now it's home. It was work right. and now it's home.
0: Yeah. Um, so I wanted to make an announcement at the top of the show. There's not going to be an episode next week because next weekend is my birthday, and it's also my one-year anniversary. So I need to go quietly spiral on my own.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm not
0: going to be celebrating. I'm literally just going to be having a quiet panic attack. So I need to take that weekend off. Also, Everybody was very sweet in their feedback. I had floated the idea of going uh, biweekly on the show, with the show. Very sweet feedback from people who were very supportive of the idea, because the way I explained it was, I'm doing this for my mental health, which I am. Um, but also, you know, I've, I've been doing this for a while, and I've noticed that if I do fewer shows, the, the numbers are better. So just on a strategy level, I think it makes sense. But everybody was very sweet, very supportive. So officially, we are going to be a biweekly show now. And I figure it would just uh, make sense to, to start the schedule immediately, especially because I'm taking next weekend off. So FYI, that is my big show announcement. Also, I wanted to read a message to one of my Patreon supporters I do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Kilkenny. If you want to support my work over there, that's really neat. And then once you're a supporter, you get to write in and skip the line and you get your questions, comments, recommendations, anti-recommendations read on air first. So Esteban wrote in, and Esteban, I had to edit your message a little bit. It was very long. I don't want to criticize you. Try to keep them short, babies. It just helps me out a lot. But Esteban wrote in, uh, first of all, Allison, you do you if you're needing to slow the pace of episodes. So Esteban, thank you for the support. And then they also write, there was a question a couple weeks back about what podcast folks can wreck for regular progressive politics. Politically Reactive with uh, Hari uh, and W. Kamau. Uh, Block Party, which is run by policy strategists from Justice Democrats, including the campaign manager from AOC's Upset Victory in 2018 and Jamal Bowman in 2020. And for people who are more like Eric than Allison and want a deep dive, long intellectual, super left class politics podcast, the Dig podcast is really good. I want to pause very quickly. Did, um,
1: did, did Esteban just Eric, call Allison dumb? I don't. Did, what was he, that? did
0: he just call me shallow, <laughs> dumb, right wing? Uh, I think all of those things. If we're we're having you as a direct contrast uh-huh. to me as a deep dive, long intellectual, super lefty. Wow, Esteban. Are we in a fight? It was are like- we in a full fight now?
1: It was like, here's three podcasts. And but if you really want to learn.
0: If you're not a fucking dumb, dumb like Allison, <laughs> you might want to check out the dig podcast. And listen, am I dumb, dumb? Yes, obviously. Do I watch Bra- Bravo every fucking day? Yes. Proudly. Um, d- I can call me dumb. You can't call me dumb. <laughs> okay. Uh, also recommended is the Laura Flanders show, which wow. Um. <laughs> Uh, a throwback i'll say that wow. i haven't I I, I, I I go ahead
1: i legit didn't know that show was still on the air <laughs> okay no
0: shade no shade nor did i i love laura flanders i think that's a great show i had no fucking idea so the laura flanders show is more like a positive less news cycled based version of democracy now it's a weekly show and it's easy to find on youtube and sometimes airs on pbs Rising on the hill.com slash TV is daily. By the way, I I don't watch any of these, so I can't confirm nor deny. This is just Esteban's two cents. Only caveat is that they sometimes have guests I disagree with. Uh, Glenn Greenwald appears about once a month, but they always make a cogent argument explaining their rationale. And even the conservative guests are populist and have a critique of corporations and the war machine. Esteban, what a list. Thank you so much for the recommendations, especially because that question came in and it was, I believe Meredith and I were hosting together. We both were like, oh, because we don't listen to political (laughs) podcasts. I literally just recommended a bunch of QAnon podcasts that I'm listening to right now, (laughs) which are really good. But I mean, oh my God, so niche, right? But yeah, thank you. Very specific recommendations. I have a recommendation
1: for Esteban.
0: Oh, oh, my God. For Esteban. Go ahead. Yes.
1: My recommendation is please find other things to listen to and watch other than political shows.
0: I beg (laughs) you. I (laughs) beg you. For your own sanity, Yes, for the sake of everyone around you, because Mm -hmm. uh, you want to be a well-rounded person, right? You sound like a lovely person. You're one of, I know one of my longer uh, term listeners, Mm -hmm. so thank you for that. But please, and this goes to everyone out there, don't just listen to political podcasts.
1: And I say that as somebody who, I mean, I went to college for sociology. All I did for four years was in-depthly study the writings of Karl Marx. Oh, well, Eric,
0: that, <laughs> like, that's why I so aggressively <laughs> have turned a corner on politics. I mm-hmm. was so obsessed with politics yeah. for so long. I mean, it was my job for like over a decade. Right. So I I watched MSNBC, CNN all the time, all day. I was on Twitter 24. 24- I'm still on Twitter way too much, <sighs> but not as much as I used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I just, I ate breathed politics constantly you yeah. know and here's what happens when you do that you have a full-on meltdown and you go crazy
1: yeah you're you're there there's only one outcome to that <laughs> it's just yes completely so
0: yeah. be well-rounded it's good to be informed it's good to be woke but um have other interests as well
1: yeah, yeah. just break it up a little bit that's all i'm saying just break we it up the fuck bit. up yeah
0: so eric do you have any recommendations
1: Mm, do I have recommendations? I've been trying to, I've been trying to scale back a little bit on on consuming media because uh, I mean, what else has anybody Why? had to do for the past year? Uh, yeah, that uh, sounds stupid. Yeah, I uh, it was getting a little. I was getting a little. It was just a, a little much. Uh, but I did just finish. Faith and I have been watching Buffy for the past year, and we just finished it this week.
0: Gross. How was that? Uh,
1: <laughs> it was great. I loved it. Uh, mm-hmm. It was fantastic. It uh, the a weird thing happened. No, it's not weird, actually. It's pretty normal. But like the th- you, I'm sure you can uh, uh, sympathize with this. Uh, there's a thing that happens when you're watching a show, and it happens either when you watch. In c- very quickly like a binge or you watch it over a large amount of time mm-hmm. where it got to the point because we what we would watch like maybe like somewhere between three to five episodes per week and so it took r- a little under a year to get through the whole series and because we had done it over such a long period of time it started to feel like part of like it was like i like the show was part of my life (laughs) it started to like you know how like sometimes you just have that feeling of like like this is a real place that exists and i'm part of it somehow
0: yeah i think my issue is i i never sit with a show long enough like like the fact that it took you guys a year to get Mm -hmm. through it is shocking to me (laughs) like very slow yeah uh so I don't sit with shows long enough. Like I'll forget. Yeah. I'll watch a series. It'll be my entire shit. Right. Like Such my jam. I recommend it. I rave about it on the show and then I completely forget about it. And then someone will bring it up and I was like, Oh my God, that was one of the best things I've ever seen. But I've <laughs> already moved on to like right. eight other things since then. Now that's not healthy yeah. and, and that's not a good way to consume anything. Um, let alone like media, mm-hmm. but that's just my brain, you know, like I just right. always for always blindly forward, you know,
1: I did watch all 15 seasons of criminal minds in a month last year. Wow. That's and insane. I full on was convinced I was an FBI profiler. You <laughs> might was like, have been. Briefly. <laughs> yeah. I, I was think like,
0: that I think you can get certified that way.
1: Right. Yeah. I think you, I think they have to let you at uh, that
0: point legally i think they do <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah uh, you like
0: just show them the logbook of the hours right. and they're like goddamn
1: Gee, he put in the work he put in the time
0: yeah here's your badge and your gun <laughs> uh
1: yeah i was like that was that was uh, a big one that was like i i was full on like i think i live in this show now um so we finished that it was great i i loved it i will we'll, we will probably rewatch it again uh and it is i I love it every minute of it um and we just started watching the x files and so
0: (gasps) my little heart okay eric i tweeted this the other day i don't know what's going on but i have become fucking catnip to men on the internet (laughs) on dating apps Who list the X Files as their favorite (laughs) series? I don't know what happened. So let me ask you this, because this is like the 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 divisive thing about the X Files, the Monster Mm -hmm. of the Week episodes, right? Because there's there's the ongoing serial storyline of the X Files, which is the whole Mulder's sister being abducted and uh, the the Smoking Man, and is that his name, the Smoking Man? I forget those that whole cabal and like the the shadiness of that is one serial storyline. And then they would have these Monster of the Week episodes, which is just they introduce a monster, and it's like this self-contained storyline. Um, are you pro-Monster of the Week or against Monster of the Week?
1: Big pro-Monster of the Week.
0: Hell yeah, correct answer. I think that was some of their best... I mean, uh, Vince Gilligan, right. some of like his... his best showcasing of his storytelling abilities were like the monster of the week episodes. yeah
1: and it gave them a a, a, the thing that i loved about the monster of the week episodes besides them being just like fun is the thing about the x-files is that the 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 arch storyline is so big and crazy that if that's all you focused on, I think you wouldn't get as much character development because the actual like plot no way. is crazy. No way, right? So they'd have to be dealing yes. with that all the time. You need them to like take a breather and just like interact with each other and like have lives in order to get that character development for the bigger like arch- arches that happen. Right.
0: Also, inevitably, whenever you ask anybody their favorite episode oftentimes it's a monster of the week right, of
1: course because those are usually like you know they're built to be one episode so they're going to be dope um the
0: it's a perfect self-contained right. story it's like a ghost right. story you know and people remember those mm-hmm. easier
1: oh yeah yeah and and you know they you know with it with any sort of series as they're like trying to play out this huge plot line it's like on the the sort of like overarching episodes they're gonna be good episodes and they're gonna have cool things happen but it's like they gotta let the information kind of slow drip so they can keep the series going right so it's like right yeah it'll be cool and big things will happen but it's like one big thing will happen and it's like okay now it's, now mm-hmm. there's more and now there's a bigger world that i we have to explore but it you know uh
0: what a good rewatch. I should rewatch the X-Files. Um, I just haven't seen it in so long. I'm sure I've forgotten a bunch of.
1: Yeah. Stuff. I'm excited. Cause like I said, I've never actually done it like straight through. I just like, I just know I've seen all the episodes, but I just like, I've never sat down and like, you know, watched it front to back. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm stoked. We watched a couple episodes the other night. It was as great as I remember. Uh,
0: Oh, that banter. The banter between Mulder and Scully. Come on. It's so
1: good. Like, they're both just, like, I'm sure people talked about this at the time, but, like, rewatching it, I'm like, they're both just so great. Like, Jillian Anderson, David Duchovny, just, like, incredible.
0: So great. You would have had no idea they hated (laughs) each other. (laughs) Apparently, they like each other again, but uh, it got a little rough. Because they did a lot of episodes together, you know. Gets tense, uh. So I saw Nomadland, nice, which is Chloe Zhao's uh, new film starring Francis McDormand. It's the one that everybody's saying is up for the every Oscar because it is fully Oscar mm-hmm. bait. Um, that that's I'm not trying to be a bitch. It just <laughs> is. You know, it's like a quiet, expansive, uh, film that's a study of poverty and and modern American culture starring Francis McDormand. That is catnip (laughs) to uh, the Academy, right? And that's not me being a bitch. That's just acknowledging that the Academy likes that shit. It is very exciting that, um, Chloe got nominated, you know, as, Mm -hmm. as, uh, or, or is very likely to win, um, the uh, Oscar for, for best director. She's heavily favored right now, I think is the consensus among, people in the know. It's just exciting anytime a woman director is nominated, let alone a woman of color. so uh, very exciting and I don't want to diminish that by anything I'm about to say, which is it's, of course it's a great film. It's beautiful, I think it's really well edited shockingly well paced even though there has been a criticism it's slow it is a little slow because it's you know not a fucking marvel film so you're gonna watch Frances mcdormand drive a van a lot um but i think it is well paced well edited Frances mcdormand my god i mean she's made in a lab to make (laughs) you cry you know so she's wonderful she's always wonderful at this point she has entered like Judy Dench territory, where it's just anytime this woman is in a film, she's going to get nominated right. for an Oscar, and we just have to live with that. Okay, it's it's going to happen because she probably deserves it, and also she's Frances McDormand. Um, but the thing is, it's a weird film because, and I don't think this is a spoiler because I think everybody knows the premise of No Man Land is that. Uh, Frances McDormand is a, a, a woman who is experiencing homelessness so she lives out of her van and she discovers this whole community of other nomads who have like figured out a way to survive in our modern society that is um, you know rapidly outsourcing jobs overseas and entire communities are closing because of that. And it's forcing people into poverty. So, so you think in that there would be a criticism or critique of mm -hmm. capitalism, um, especially because one of the odd jobs she picks up is at Amazon. (laughs) Okay. And bizarrely, this is one of like my favorite tidbits about this movie So it's in the script that she works at Amazon. But, like, Chloe Zhao is like, obviously, we can't film in Amazon. And Frances McDormand was like, I'm going to write Amazon. So Frances McDormand wrote a letter to Amazon, and they let them film in an Amazon warehouse. But because they did that, I think they were afraid to criticize Amazon. So there's literally one line about her experience working at Amazon in this movie, and all she says is the pay's pretty good. <laughs> and that's it. And it's very strange because everything else is like, oh, isn't it a shame that this like mining community had to close and Frances McDormand now has to live out of her van and she has to pick up odd jobs all over the country. But Chloe out almost seems like she doesn't want to explore that that is profoundly dystopian and fucked up and a direct result of hypercapitalism. Right. So she frames it weirdly as this like quasi uplifting tale about a woman who has like this irrepressible human spirit. And she just has to live on the road and she can't be nailed down. And this is like a transformative period of her life. And don't you dare be sad for her because she's actually a very strong person. And I'm literally like, this is a woman who is in her 60s who's shitting in a bucket in a van. Right. And I don't find that uplifting. <laughs> I'm sorry, right. I don't. I'm sure she's like a cool chick and like... Yeah, maybe you wouldn't have an office job, but she should be earning a living wage somewhere so she could have a house. <laughs> right. right. Right? It's so strange. The like the, the whole thing with Amazon is just like, what the fuck is happening right yeah, now?
1: Yeah, that's weird. That does sound uh, definitely Oscar Beatty. Uh, <laughs> um, but... <sighs> That is a weird framing of it. My, I was going to ask you if your problem with the film was that it too accurately depicted our future. Um.
0: Okay. So I had, again, I'm so sorry to quote myself, but I was like, as soon as I saw this movie, I took to the internet and was like, so excited to live in America between the period of, of Nomadland and Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> because that feels like you could draw a straight line between those two films. Like, yeah. Is it uplifting that she finds this community that is all about radical mutual aid and taking care of each other? Absolutely. I think that is inevitably going to be America's future because no one is coming to save us. Our government has utterly failed. And I think we should embrace anarchism. Right. Right. But, I'm not happy about that. I know a lot of people are going to be like left behind and fucking die. Like I'm not naive about the fact that we needed huge federal programs to save the most people. Right. Right. Yeah. Like we just needed that and we didn't get it. And now a lot of people are going to have died. Excuse me. Have died because of the fucking Mm -hmm. pandemic. And and other things like poisoning their water and like people are dying because our federal government mm-hmm. has failed. It is now a band-aid approach to say radical mutual aid needs to be our future. Like if we're gonna survive at all, that needs to right. be the future. But I'm not so ignorant that I'm like, and we'll live in a perfect utopian society. It's not no, be good. it's yeah. gonna no, suck. It's
1: gonna be horrible.
0: Yeah. And the fact that she tries to frame it as, and I, I understand why she doesn't want it. I, when I say she, I mean Chloe Zhao, why she didn't want it to be an after school special, you know, right. and she didn't want it to be endlessly dreary. I totally respect all of that. The lack of critique is odd to me until you look into Chloe Zhao's history, and, you know, she comes from a very wealthy mm-hmm. family and right. blah, blah, blah. She's a very privileged person. Um, So maybe that's just a blind spot for her or she didn't feel comfortable wading into that. But it's weird. It's definitely a weird blind spot in this movie.
1: Yeah, that sounds strange. That sounds like a weird take on that type of situation.
0: Yeah. And I mean, in addition to everything, every glowing praise, because I think most of the reviews you'll read and hear about Nomadland are going to tell you how wonderful it is. I'm not disagreeing with any of those points. I just think the the politics side of the movie is very right. strange um, because it's virtually unexplored. And to me, it's sort of like, I mean, this is happening because of capitalism and how can we not acknowledge that? That feels <laughs> weird right. to me. Very yeah. strange. Um, so I also wanted to anti-wreck yes, something.
1: my favorite.
0: Finally. Uh, I have to say... I care a lot is a bad film. You guys <laughs> is a bad film. And I love me Roseman Pike, but if you want to see Roseman Pike doing what she's doing and I care a lot, but you want to see it in a good film, go watch gone girl. Cause she's doing the same thing, babies. We know she's doing the same thing, right? She's so good at it. I would, wa- I would literally watch her do it all day. It's the same character. Go watch gone girl. Um, What's so shitty about how bad I Care A Lot is, is it starts pretty strong. And I was pretty excited because the cast is fucking phenomenal. I don't don't even want to tell you the cast on the off chance you might watch it. Because that's one of the nicest surprises of watching the movie. How you're like, he's in it? She's in it? Like constantly, every five minutes. So if you are going to watch it, I won't spoil the cast for you it starts very fun. And I immediately started to do that thing after I had watched it, where I was sending notes to people who had seen it where I'm like, here's what I would have changed. <laughs> I would have cut that last half hour. I would have had the whole thing take place at this location. Like I had notes for it. Cause I was like, Oh, it's so frustrating. You had a good skeleton and you completely fucked it up with this absurd right. ending. So stupid. Just like giant plot holes made no fucking sense. Um, I really understand why people hate it because there's nobody to root for in the film. It is essentially a white collar crime versus organized crime. Right. So it's it's like, okay, who am I? I don't have a <laughs> horse in this race, right. you know? Very, very weird faux feminism stuff. I think because maybe the writer slash director was very aware that Rosamund Pike is playing a horrible person. So he wanted to have like some sort of redeeming moment. But I'm very wary in general when men try to write feminist sure. stuff. It's almost always a disaster. Mm-hmm. But especially for this, it was really strange, did not work, nothing to latch on to. And then the last half hour is just a full on, off the rails disaster. Uh, no. So. You know, I can't recommend something if it's got a disastrous third act, even if I enjoyed act one and act two, right? That's what's so shitty about a bad act three. It kills the whole thing. So great cast, horrible, horrible script. Indies are um, so hard. Not a good film. Scripts are hard. It's it's really hard to write a film, and, you know, it's, it's too bad because there are elements to this that I like and I don't have to like my protagonist, by the way, right. I'm, I'm all about an anti-hero, but I got to root for somebody. In well, yeah.
1: Otherwise you just, like, it's not even about like a good guy versus a bad guy or, or whatever. It's like, I have to be invested in the movie. <laughs> like, like I, right. if I hate everyone, then I'm like, i'll just leave like i don't care what happens to any of them
0: yeah and then it did that thing where it's just like the ending is resolved much too neatly when it's like such a messy plot up until that point so yeah unfortunately not a successful film that's an anti-wreck for me though again if you want to see rosen pike just murdering the role of icy sociopath Watch Gone Girl, because she's extraordinary in that film. And I love me some Risman Pike. Gone Girl's so, a So, it's so good. Everybody on that note, it's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here's your bad news. I always feel obligated to talk about CPAC every year when it happens, even though I'm always sorry I do, and I'm not quite sure why I do it, but it just feels like it needs to be acknowledged. Um, Did you see that the stage was shaped like the Mm -hmm. uh, SS, not the SS insignia, but uh, one of the insignias from the SS? (laughs) Yeah. So, so great. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Completely on brand for them
1: you know what's funny is I i be, i would believe that they didn't do it on purpose but i like it's just so funny to think of of like somebody designing the set and being like what would be a good shape and then just kind of like drawing a shape and be like mm-hmm, that looks good and it's just like why is that in the back of your yeah, head yeah yeah like why is it wh- why are that just just like mind?
0: sketching that in like a <laughs> notepad all day with like little hearts <laughs> around it yeah it's it's fresh on the brain for some reason So but one of my favorite details about CPAC is that more than a dozen of Trump's uh, closest allies, Republican allies, skipped Friday's votes um, because (laughs) they claimed they couldn't attend, quote unquote, due to the ongoing public health emergency. So that means they skipped Mm -hmm. the stimulus vote, which, again, is to help people survive. (laughs) And they Mm -hmm. all went to CPAC. Right. Very very cool of course, of course. that included people like Paul Gosser of Arizona, Jim Banks of Indiana, Madison Cawthorn of North Carolina who has some interesting allegations coming out about him. Um Ted Bunn of North Carolina Mark Green of Tennessee, Daryl Issa of California, Ronnie Jackson of Texas, Mike Kelly of Pennsylvania, Ralph Norman of South Carolina, Devin Nunez of California, and Greg Stube of Florida. were all like, ooh, we really wish we could vote on um, helping people financially survive the pandemic. But, you know, uh, we're really concerned about our health right now. And then went immediately to CPAC where nobody's wearing masks.
1: I've always really wanted to go to CPAC. Yeah, kind in a of real, like masochistic way because it's like, it's just like I it it would be like almost like visiting a, another planet. You it, but it's just like I think it would be interesting to see like the 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 worst people alive, and and like the the just like the. I don't know, just like the worst people alive and also just the the cringiest and most awkward. And they're all like having a party together.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be like the weirdest, suckiest party ever. Uh, One of my favorite things that was said that I saw because, you know, Twitter is like live tweeting everything that's happening on stage. Of course. So Gats uh, was talking about Florida and he said florida is like oh, an amazing yeah. woman adventurous beautiful mostly sunny sometimes a little crazy and always here to encourage and support which i love that description of a woman as um adventurous beautiful mostly sunny sometimes a little crazy that is a woman isn't that classic that is what a woman is
1: that was that was matt Matt Gates on stage having his bag of sand moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, is that how you say his name?
1: <laughs> Gates? I think, I mean, I've heard it said Gates. Okay. I, I don't know. But that, that's because
0: I, I don't watch cable news anymore. I never hear any of these mm. names pronounced out right. loud. And I refuse to listen to political podcasts, as we've discussed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's always like my imagination of, or my interpretation right. of how you say these names, <laughs> uh, which sure. is usually wrong. So, yeah, sure. Gates. All right. I think it's gates Um so I also wanted to talk about the house passed the the stimulus plan, Biden stimulus uh plan including the $1400 checks. Um but it looks like in all likelihood they're going to strip the $15 minimum uh federal minimum wage hike, which sucks. But also something that I th- I believe Democratic leadership anticipated, and they at least have made a verbal commitment to reintroduce it again at some point. They just wanted to put it in p- like part of this big package, but pretty much knew the Republicans were going to strip it. Right. So, not unprecedented and was anticipated. And supposedly, there's a strategy to deal with that, but it's still extremely. Shitty because I can't emphasize this enough fifteen dollars an hour is like the extremely reasonable request because the fact that the minimum wage would still be that low guys fifteen dollars an hour is not a lot of money especially if you live no. in a major city and you're paying astronomical rent
1: no and in fact if you index the the minimum wage to you know uh productivity and to inflation from the time that it was instated uh it should be around i believe like 23
0: yeah so 15 dollars an hour is already a compromise and it's a compromise on the low end so these people who were like this would ruin businesses a no it wouldn't because we now know like enough business owners have come forward who have done their own wage hikes like independently not waiting for the states who have been like it absolutely didn't cause us to close you know, if anything, our employees are ha- happier, our business is thriving, everything's fine. So we know that's not true. It's just propaganda, right. especially if you're talking about massive corporations like Walmart. Fifteen dollars an hour ain't going to do shit to Walmart. You know, like to say like, oh, Walmart will shut right. down. Sure. They'll they'll leave these cities if you like. No, they fucking won't. They won't. Um, so that's bullshit and yeah so to be expected but still disappointing right and of course i have already ranted at length about the whole two thousand dollar checks versus fourteen hundred dollar checks and Mm -hmm. we should be getting two thousand dollars a month anyway right
1: right well and uh another point about the minimum wage is that uh you know if you can't I mean, they're always like, you know, to your point, like, oh, it'll destroy businesses or whatever. It's like, well, if you can't pay your employees... Why are you business? Then, yeah, like, you're not a business. Well, it's it's doubly
0: frustrating for, like, not even talking about small businesses, right? But, like, businesses like Walmart, because they get state funding, because (laughs) they pay so little that... A lot of their employees have to go on state aid. So we as taxpayers are subsidizing the fact that Walmart pays their employees so shittily. That's insane. So, yeah, they should be paying their employees more, at least $15 an hour, probably $20 an hour. But, um, mm-hmm. oh, I also wanted to congratulate the the Biden administration on their first little bombing campaign in Syria. Very hey, exciting. First hundred days. But weirdly, and I don't know if you've heard this, Eric, some Democrats in Congress are wondering how they are legally justifying the airstrikes because usually, now I'm talking about way back in the day, Congress would have to make an official declaration of war Mm -hmm. in order to bomb a country, right? And then they sort of got around that with Iraq by um, using the uh, authorization to use military force, Which, again, doesn't require an official congressional vote. But the president can sort of be like, we really need to do this. So they just rubber stamp it and airstrikes, right? The Mm -hmm. Biden administration didn't even get an authorization to use military force. (laughs) They just straight up bombed Syria. So some Democrats, for some reason, have gotten into their feelings where they're like, hey, is that legal? Which mm-hmm. sounds like commie talk to me. I don't know.
1: To th- to that I say and I quote, "Come on, man! Come
0: on, man! We're Americans. We gotta <laughs> bomb something. It's been a hot minute since we bombed something." Mm-hmm. Um, special shout out. It really,
1: d- it really does kind of feel like that. It really does kind of feel like this. The like he like this administration got in. And it was just like, all right. Well, we're just gonna keep doing what we were doing eight years ago. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, any, you
0: know, are you even a president until you bomb a country? Name a president who hasn't bombed a country. Good question. I mean, you'd have to go, George Washington. Yeah, I was gonna say, you'd have to go pre bombs, <laughs> right? Right, yeah, uh, pre airstrike bombs. Sure. Uh, so, a special shout out to Amy Siskind, who is just getting the most shit on Twitter right now, but. I don't want to like portray her as being like the lone insane Democrat who uh, tweeted something like this because this was a theme on Twitter when the Syria airstrike bombing news broke. But she had one of the most uh, viral tweets where she tweeted, so different, having military action under Biden. No middle school level threats on Twitter. Trust Biden and his team's competence. So this was like a theme among some moderate Dems, right? Where, or neoliberal Dems, where it was like, man, what a dignified bombing campaign. Like, <laughs> it was just so quietly done. There was no showboating. It was a tasteful bombing. That's what I liked about it. It was tasteful. You know, like, finally, if we're going to kill babies, are back in the I, I don't want to hear about it. I, I just want it done quietly and neatly. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like this is why people hate Democrats.
1: Yeah, it really is striking. It's it it is also funny too because after this happened, I I did see like some conservative pundits being like, "Oh, like people are having regrets about Biden." It's like, well, okay. First off, nobody really wanted to vote. I was gonna Biden. say, first Second, of all, we, we had
0: immediate regrets about Biden. Okay, <laughs> right?
1: We had we had there were immediate regrets about Biden. There were pre-regrets about Biden. Exactly. Uh, uh but uh but also like that doesn't mean i would be happier if trump were in office no
0: (laughs) absolutely not uh and then i also wanted to congratulate the biden administration on opening their their baby jail at the border
1: (laughs) um migrant facility allison
0: oh i'm sorry uh their their first migrant facility at the border they're
1: uh they're, uh, 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 I believe it's a, it's a migrant spa.
0: Right, right. Um, Everybody's getting um, full steam facials and like mm. a little swag bag from Sephora. And it's like <laughs> a good time. The fluffy slippers just, and robes.
1: <laughs> yeah, they should just go with that. They should just call them like the Biden spas. migrant, migrant spa spas. and resorts.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? So this emergency facility... Is actually a holdover from the Trump administration, uh, which was it was open a month in uh, 2019, the summer of 2019, and it's been reactivated to hold up to 700 children, ages 13 to 17, and of course there's a lot of like couching explanation by the administration where they're like, it's not, they were immediately like, it's not, it's not a baby jail, okay. We're just we're temporarily (laughs) holding them because, you know, they cross the border and we gotta put them somewhere and they're like immediately frantically trying to explain their behavior. But it's like you're holding hundreds of children in a camp like you can't dress that up. And again, to watch like moderate Democrats be like, it's not a baby jail. Stop being so hyperbolic. It's like you would 100 percent be the the quote-unquote liberals during the japanese internment camps being like they're actually treated pretty civilly
1: considering (laughs) it's it's, right it's it's just it's temporary until the war it's always
0: fucking temporary because that's how time works
1: It's just it's just it's just until we can be sure. We gotta be
0: sure. I have to feel safe as a mother and citizen. Okay? Once I feel a hundred percent safe, you can let the human (laughs) beings out of the camp. Okay? But until I feel safe, they're staying there.
1: Right. Yeah, it's just so like I mean, I you know, I think You and I, and probably a lot of people uh, like us, uh, knew this was going to happen. Of course. But it is, it is, sh- I mean, I want to, like I said, I don't want to say it's shocking because we saw it coming, but it is, the brazenness is so shocking.
0: Yeah, I know. And then everybody, we got to squeeze this in, even though we're running a little long as we tend to do. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Here's what I'll say about Marjorie Taylor Greene. She is so comforting in the sense that she's consistently as shitty and as dumb and as awful as you previously imagined she is. So she is consistent. Um, She's a terrible, terrible woman If you missed what happened, Illinois Representative Marie Newman, whose daughter is transgender, posted a video on Twitter of her hanging the pink and blue transgender pride flag outside her office Wednesday afternoon. Beautiful act of solidarity between uh, mother and daughter. Really beautiful gesture. And then Marjorie Taylor Greene in response to that, uh, because she has the office directly across the hall from Marie Newman, and it so offended her to see the transgender Uh, flag that she hung a sign on her hallway wall that said there are two genders, male and female. Trust the science because she's a fucking cunt. So uh, thank you, Marjorie Taylor Greene, for being as big of a cunt as we knew you could be. And then I really wanted to shout out quickly Ari Drennan on Twitter who did this Awesome uh, call-out thread about how not one single trans person was quoted in a New York Times article about the Equality Act passing the other day, but they did give three extreme anti-trans bigots a chance to spread hatred, and this is a consistent theme in most major newspapers on most major networks. They will mm-hmm. talk about trans people without having trans people represented in the segment, which is fucking irresponsible journalism. It's not journalism that is anti-trans propaganda, and it they should feel deeply ashamed that they're doing it, and they should stop doing it immediately.
1: Yeah, agreed. Thanks. the The thing about Mar- Marjorie Taylor Green, I, I will say this yeah, uh, about Marjorie Taylor Green. If I was a Republican voter in her district, I would be very happy uh, because they voted for a QAnon wacko conservative and boy, did they get it.
0: Boy, did they get it. Uh, she, I mean, no false advertising, right? She was like, she hey, I'm wicked crazy. Delivered. And then it was like, wow, you are. Um, yeah.
1: Day one. Day one. Day one. Just full just, throttle insanity. Yeah. Uh,
0: so... On that note, everybody, that was a lot of bad. Here's your good news. All right, so I have to shout out, and I'm counting this as good news. I don't know if you watch The View, Eric. But I just really want to thank, from the bottom of my heart, um, Meghan McCain's stylists, um, her hair and makeup team, for the brave secret war they're waging on her. Because, again, if you've seen The View lately, and we're actually we're going to talk about one of the reasons Twitter is mad at Meghan McCain at the moment, because she said something fully insane the other day. But I just want to thank them because if you've watched The View lately, she looks insane. Like, whatever they're doing to her hair, her wardrobe, her, they clearly hate her.
1: Yeah, it's, like, actually crazy. I've seen, like, stills of uh, just, like, I... Look, granted, literally my wardrobe consists of, like, five black t-shirts and that's it. Uh, I don't know anything about fashion, but... You're
0: not a fashionista, right?
1: No. Uh, but uh that's not hyperbole either that's literally my wardrobe Um, oh i know i know you (laughs) uh but uh even i was like what the hell is happening like well that's here's
0: the thing this has not happened to me a lot because fortunately i've had very positive experiences with makeup and hair Mm -hmm. teams um msnbc had great makeup and hair people um very very nice women who would listen to your feedback and and do what you asked them to do. I had one really bad experience with a hair and makeup person where they fully did crazy makeup on me. (laughs) And I had to very tactfully be like, I cannot go on camera like this. (laughs) And she was super nice and accommodating. And she was like, right, we should tone it down. Right. And I was like, yes. Uh, And she fixed it and everything was fine. What I don't understand about this scenario is, okay, so they're they're waging this very brave secret war against Mm -hmm. Meghan McCain. How Meghan McCain looks at herself in the mirror and she's like, (laughs) this looks great. This looks amazing and goes on camera because I would be like, oh, I look crazy. You have to fix this.
1: Yeah, there was one I saw the one that stuck out to me and I don't know why it was just like there was like glitter in the part of her hair.
0: Eric, she looks so insane. She looks so crazy. So the thing I wanted to talk about in addition to that was she said this hilarious thing the other day where she was talking about the vaccine rollout campaign. Uh And I mean, the first insane thing she said was she accused uh, Fauci of not understanding science, Uh which is just so funny coming from her, the dumbest human being alive. But then she said this just classic Megan McCain statement, which is, You know, she's the embodiment of nepotism and privilege and, you know, that's why people hate her. But she said, the fact that I, Meghan McCain, co-host of The View, don't know when or how I will be able to get a vaccine because the rollout for my age range and my health is so nebulous, I have no idea when and how I get it. She said those words out loud, the fact that I, Meghan McCain, co-host of The View, like that in Any way qualifies her to skip the line? Like, does she think she's an essential worker? Right. Is insane. Where it's like, wow, you have no grasp on reality. You are nobody. You've earned nothing. You're not intelligent or articulate or anything extraordinary. The whole reason you have your job is because of your dad. Right. Who, by the way, is the reason we have Trump.
1: (laughs) I've seen other people do something similar to this. And it's so funny. It's like the fact that you don't know something is not an indictment of anyone else. That's just you not knowing it.
0: Yeah. Like you're a big dum-dum. We know that. <laughs> like the fact that you don't know something is like not breaking news. Megan, right. there's so much you don't know.
1: I was really, I was really shocked. She actually said co-host of you and not I'm Megan McCain, daughter of John McCain.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of him. <laughs> and then she stares at the camera. Yeah. Um, So also in good news, and it's not that I am forgetting to be a pessimist or that I think Mm -hmm. Trump will actually go to jail or anything like that, but I am starting to wonder if some of these certain legal challenges are going to ruin his life. So the the latest two updates are the Supreme Court rejected Trump's last ditch bid to keep his tax documents hidden Mm -hmm. from investigators. So they officially, officially had to turn them over to Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance. And Cy Vance is like gunning for Trump's ass. And Letitia (laughs) James. And like, they basically were like, let's go. The second he was out of the White House. And then also there was this other story about how prosecutors are now looking into Don Jr. as well. I mean, they could drag this out in court forever and just make this their entire life. You know? And I think there's enough there to do that and to bleed them financially for a while. Honestly, for a businessman like Trump, a quote unquote businessman, because, you know, he's not good at business, (laughs) but like prides himself on that. Mm -hmm. Isn't it almost worse than jail time to just bleed him financially for the rest of his life?
1: Oh Yeah, big time. Yeah. I mean, just like getting it held up in courts forever. I mean, just the fact that anybody's looked at his tax records is already going to like damage him. Well, here's you know? the thing.
0: and I don't think maybe some of our younger listeners might not know this. The IRS, once they start coming for you, they never stop coming for you. <laughs> no. So, like, they just don't. So this is the rest of his life. Yeah. Now that they have the official ta- tax documents, it's like, Goodbye. That's why he tried to desperately keep them from them for so
1: long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I mean, there's already been a bunch of like, you know, people are like canceling deals with him and stuff like that. So he's already lost a bunch. Like right after he left office, and I think with this, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think the 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 New York like DAs are gonna devote the rest of their lives to going after him and probably like the people that they're like training under them too. like, this is going to be like several generations of DAs just like going after the Trump family forever.
0: Yeah. And like, honestly, good. Yeah. I I hope it inconveniences them for the rest of their lives. You know, like I do think it sucks to have to deal with something like that on a day in day out basis. Like I know some people are like, it doesn't affect them. It's not like they actually have to go to court or anything. I do think it's something they have to deal with. And it probably fucking pisses them off. And that makes me smile. So I'm putting that in the good news section.
1: Well, and and I would also say, also, it's not even just that it hurts them. They're criminals. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're, like 100%. This, they're they're like, a
0: criminal empire. The entire Trump organization is a criminal empire.
1: Like, they deserve to have forensic accountants go through every single dime they have ever made. And yeah. They deserve I want to them the to have to shit sit there.
0: I want them to get called into a meeting where they have to sit there and somebody brings out a big binder (laughs) of their tax records and expenses and goes line by line and they have to justify each purchase. I want that to happen to them because honestly, that is a much more brutal punishment than getting locked up in a cell where you just have to sit quietly for (laughs) like, Oh my God, to go through a tax audit. is like fucking kill me. Right. Um, so also in good news going back circling back to the whole reason that Marjorie Taylor Greene is so enormously butthurt right now uh, the house passed the equality act um, 224 to 206 it obviously has to go to the Senate um, but you know it'll be it'll be close there but it's a 50-50 split plus you know one with with Kamala in the Senate and then Unlike previous years, we now have like a very Equality Act friendly president in Biden. And this act amends the Federal Civil Rights Act of 1964 to include protections against discrimination based on sexual orientation and identity. It's been introduced every year since 2015 uh, by uh, Ciceline, one of nine LGBTQ representatives. First passed the House in 2019, um, but failed to get a hearing, obviously, because the GOP had the Senate. Um, So, yeah, I obviously, I think that is good news. It shows how far the country's come, but also how effective LGBTQ activists have been Mm -hmm. in changing hearts and minds. And, like, you know, especially, especially trans activists fighting for representation and acknowledgement and um not even equal rights but like please don't hurt us you know (laughs) um yeah just this a lot of hard and brave work by activists paying off in in meaningful ways
1: yeah it's such a good precedent i mean i i have my doubts about it passing the senate but i think getting traction on it is going to be good because you know, a, a lot of these things uh, they eventually become undeniable, and yep. it's like if you keep doing it enough times, eventually it's going to go through. Um, that's so, that's
0: the thing. Like it's if you look at what the vote numbers have been, even the years that since it's been failing, right? Right. It's gotten closer and closer to passing, and it's right. one of those things that is inevitable. Yeah. And that is encouraging and makes me feel optimistic. Even if we ultimately lose this one in the Senate, it's like, oh, this this is going to happen eventually. Right. And yeah. and that's exciting. And that is a hundred percent because of the hard work from activists. And they should feel really good about how how much attitudes have changed in this country because it didn't organically happen. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Certainly not. We see with Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? Like that's right. the kind of insane hysteria trans activists um have been dealing with since day one and and still deal with right Right. um but they didn't give up and it made a huge difference
1: for sure big time
0: so everybody on that note thank you so much for all the supportive words i really appreciate it guys if you're um a fan of the show because i'm still obviously a bi-weekly show i do need your support especially to uh, pay co-hosts like eric You can go to uh, patreon.com slash alisonkilkenny or lighttreason.news and smash that donate button. But yeah, if you're a Patreon supporter, love getting those recommendations and uh, comments and questions from you. Send them always. It's always so great to hear from you all. Please follow Eric on Twitter at E-R-E-K underscore Smith and uh, give him a follow. Tweet them, say hi, all that good stuff. Please do. Thank you so much for listening. And while you're at it, stay inside and cause a little trouble.